You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Father, I just, those, those words and that song and how wonderful, how marvelous it is um, and that, that you would love us, but how marvelous you are. And so I just thank you today that we're here, that, that you've brought us here from all kinds of different places and, and allowed us to, we're sitting at your feet today, Lord. We want to hear your word. We want, to, um, we want to be changed by it. So do that work in our hearts that we can walk out of here and um, do amazing things for your kingdom because of your power in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so chapter seven of Daniel is where we ended up last week and that we saw that chapter seven, hey dad, oh, sorry, my dad's here, I didn't see him this morning. Good to see you dad. Okay, no more distractions. Chapter seven, it's a hinge in the book of Daniel. There's 12 chapters and, and so last week we came to chapter seven and um, so now it's gonna, be, it's gonna be, feel a little different. And just so we're all on the same page, the, the book of Daniel is really a story about these four guys, Daniel and his friends, they're, they're Israelites, and they've been exiled to this place called Babylon. And so their, their struggle is really trying to figure out how do they remain faithful to their God while in captivity to this land, it, this Babylon that's hostile to their way of life, it's hostile to their faith, it's hostile to their, their values. Now, I look, at, I look at the book of Daniel, and I think it's, it's extremely practical for people like us, Christians who also find ourselves in a world that is becoming increasingly more hostile to our faith, especially here in the Northwest, right? I mean, sometimes um, I, we, we get, you, get, you get scoffed at for, for talking about Jesus, right? You get ridiculed in your high school classrooms for uh, bringing up uh, God and creation and those kinds of things. And so the question becomes, what does it mean for us to remain faithful to God in a, in a hostile environment? What does it mean for us to hold out hope? And maybe even more than that, how, how is it that we can say that God is ruling and reigning, that God is in charge when we look out on our world and we see the chaos that's going on? We see... We see um, Gosh, what are they? Tomahawk missiles were dropping on Syria. We've got genocides going on around the world. We have little boys and girls being sold into horrifying trades. Evil, wickedness, violence in our cities and violence in our own hearts. All of it seems kind of um, senseless sometimes and random. How can we say that God is ruling? And I think Daniel 7 really helps us to understand that. Daniel 7 gives, gives us a perspective that we desperately need in order to maintain our faithfulness, but also to hold out hope that, like we saw last week, it's not always gonna be this way, with these beastly dominating kingdoms of our world. And Gary did a, last, a great job last week, I thought. Remember, though, Gary did say he was green with envy. I don't know if you were in third service, but he was green with envy because of what I was going to be teaching today. He wanted to be up here preaching this chapter. Okay, so, um, and after reading and going through it, man, I understand why. It's amazing. But all I can say, brothers, eat your heart out. I'm here, and I'm going for it. So... But, he, but seriously, he did a great job last week, kind of taking the whole book, uh, whole chapter seven and really, really showing us, um, showing us what, is, what the reality is in our world today. 
Now remember, this is apocalyptic literature, so it's weird. I mean, there's, there's dreams and visions and uh, angelic beings and, and beasts and the, the horns that represent actual kingdoms on our world. So it's, it's a weird kind of a, kind of a thing. It's not something that we generally read every day. But we saw that these arrogant, beastly kingdoms of our world, um, we, we saw that they actually meet their ultimate demise when they come face to face with the Lord of glory, with the Ancient of Days. And with the word that the Ancient of Days, God himself silences and, and judges these wicked, evil kings of the world. And, and one particular, this what, super mega beast, we called him last week, that rises up speaking arrogantly, He's, he, he comes before the, the throne and, and is destroyed and is sentenced to destruction. And so chapter 7 re- represents Daniel's night visions. The, the, the first half of the book, Daniel was the one who was actually interpreting dreams, right? God was giving these dreams to these pagan kings, but Daniel had to interpret what it meant, but now the, the tables are turned, and so Daniel is going to be receiving these dreams in this second half of the book. And, and God's going to speak to him through these dreams and visions, and through him to, I think, his people in Israel, his, his, or his covenant people that are actually in exile, offering them hope. Now, the people are in captivity by and large because the nation itself has turned its back on God. Okay, now, there's still some faithful guys like Daniel and, and, and his boys, but for the most part, they've turned their back on God. Listen to Jeremiah's voice as he kind of thunders. He says, has a nation ever changed its gods? God's speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, yet they're not gods at all. But my people, God's people, have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. And so be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people, can you go to the next slide? This isn't working. My people have committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that that cannot hold water. But God isn't going to leave them. He isn't abandoning them there forever, right? I mean, there's the the mercy and grace of God is, is, is amazing to me. And so Daniel's one of those faithful guys who are, who's in exile, and so he's, he's writing down and he records these visions. And so we saw last week, boom, out of the chaotic sea, there's these four beasts and, and they're trampling and they're, they're devouring the, 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 uh, the, anything that really stands in their way. They're, they represent kingdoms, actual kingdoms. And their appetite is insatiable. And they're going through the world and, and they, they're just destructive and, and it's a horrifying scene. So Daniel's seeing all this, and then all of a sudden, he sees all these thrones that show up. And it's on those thrones that the Ancient of Days has his seat. The books are opened, and he judges this, this mega beast. And as all this, all this happens, Daniel's sitting there, and he's, he, he, he doesn't really understand what's going on. And, and the overall picture we've seen is simply this, that whatever exalts itself up against the, the, the Lord Almighty, whatever brings itself and challenges the Ancient of Days will ultimately be destroyed. And God is committed to rescuing and vindicating those who humble themselves before him. And we've seen this in real time in chapters one through six, right? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in that fiery furnace and they should have never got out of that thing alive and they wouldn't have unless God intervened. 
And the same is true with last chapter, chapter six, Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, God intervened and rescued him. Remember the baptism videos, that little girl? She said Daniel was playing with the lions. I thought, yeah, it probably was. I mean, that's a God thing. That's amazing what was happening and, and how God has vindicated those people who humble themselves before him. But a lot of times we read about guys like this, these, these seemingly super faithful giants of scripture. And we, and we find it hard for, to put ourselves in their shoes because you know, oftentimes we realize that not just our situations, our personal situations, um, and our circumstances we have struggles with, but we have struggled with our own personal sin. Right, I mean, these guys seem like they've got it all together. But I don't often have it all together. Why would God rescue me? I mean, if I was Dan, he was thrown to the lion's den because he was praying in front of a window, I might pull the curtain. I, I, I hope not, but man, I, I failed the Lord a lot of times. Why would he rescue me? Why would he save me? I think Daniel gives us hope that, that God is not only great and powerful, but he's also merciful. He's just and good. We're going to pick it up in verse 13 here. Let's see if, all right, there we go. In my, night, or my vision at night, I looked, Daniel says, and there before me was one like a son of man. And he's coming with the clouds of heaven, and, and, and he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And he was given authority and glory and sovereign power and all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So you got the beast, you got the ancient of days, the beast is judged, all of a sudden someone else shows up in the courtroom. And Daniel describes him as this, he's a son of man, the term we saw last week, it literally just means he's a human one. He's one of us. And so the question is, who is he? And what's he doing there? And how did he get there in the first place? The Ancient of Days is sitting there. The books are opened. Okay? The, the, the evil, the, this, this powerful beast has been judged. And then there appears this human one who's apparently, and we're going to see it in a minute, has been trampled by this beast. And somehow now he's vindicated and raised up, and, and now he's receiving a, a kingdom, and, and everybody's worshiping this guy from every language, tribe, and nation. So who is he? Let's, let's, let's keep reading here. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there, one of these angels, angelic beings, and I asked him the meaning of all this. So again, Daniel's been interpreting the dreams. Now he can't. So he shoulder taps one of these angels and he says, hey, what's going on here? And so he gives him the interpretation. He says, verse 17, the four great beasts are four, great, or four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the most high will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. But this isn't gonna happen before they suffer greatly. Okay, let's pick up in 21. And as I watched this horn, this super uh, mega beast, right, that we saw, he's waging war against the holy people and he's defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. 
And so finally, the court's going to sit, this angel tells Daniel, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. And then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High, his kingdom. See how it says that? It's whose king? Their king? It's his kingdom. Will be an everlasting kingdom. And all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter, Daniel says. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. My face turned pale as it would, but I kept the matter to myself. Okay. If these beasts actually represent human, legit, real kingdoms on the earth, then according to the angel, the son of man represents the people of God. Okay, I mean, you guys see that's what's going on here. Okay, the beasts are kingdoms. This is the, the son of man. And so, the beast is judged, this, the, this, this son of man is glorified, given a kingdom, everybody's worshiping him, and he, he finally receives this indestructible kingdom, okay? That's what's going on in Daniel 7. Now, let's take a quick sidestep. Let's talk about kingdoms for a minute, because I, I think this is important for us to understand. Where did we get the idea of kingdoms? All the way back in the very beginning, the first pages of your, of your Bible, we see that God created humanity, right? Adam. It's, he created us male and female. And when he did create us, he created us to rule over this world, right? He packed the, the earth with potential and he called us to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. We were supposed to join with, with him, join him in ruling and reigning. That's kingdom language and that's Genesis 1. And so the idea of kingdom comes from him. The problem is, is we all know that it went horribly wrong. Right, we chose to um, reject him. We chose to not trust him. You know the story. We chose to choose and to find good and evil for ourselves opposed to taking what, what he said was good and evil. And in doing so, we started our own alternative kingdom to his. And it's a kingdom full of sin and death. But the story of the, of the scriptures, and, and this is helpful for me just to sometimes step back. The story of the scriptures is God sees us in our broken kingdoms and he comes down and he reaches and he calls the people to himself. Remember Abraham? And he forms the people and, and, and then his people begin to get, be oppressed and they're taken down into Egypt and, and he, has, he battles it out with the Pharaoh and he delivers them, right? And, and God split the sea so they could walk right through it like the song says. And they walk through it and the sea crashes and Pharaoh's defeated and they start singing, Yahweh is our king. Right, they're, they're, they're coming back to his kingdom. And what's he do? He takes them to a mountain and he's gonna, he's gonna bring his law and teach them you know, what that's like. But by the time Moses starts coming down, the whole thing's in shambles again. And so the whole Old Testament, you watch, you see it's these failed kingdoms that you see, and, and it seems like all is gonna be lost except for the prophets and the psalmists continue to point and say, look, there's a king coming. There's someone coming and he's gonna rule in righteousness and he's gonna rule with justice and he's gonna put all the wrongs to the right. Now, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Gabe, he reminded us that when Jesus came on the earth years later, the thing he talked about more than anything else with this, was this idea of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He used them, it's, just, it's the same way to say the same thing. And so he comes and what does Jesus start doing? Well, he starts proclaiming the kingdom. He starts saying the kingdom of God is here. 
And then what's he do? He starts calling people to himself. He does what God always has done. Fishermen, people like you and me, he calls us to himself. And then, and then what's he do? He starts teaching. He takes, us to, he takes his disciples to a mountain, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And he starts telling them about the kingdom. And then he starts healing the sick and, and restoring disease. He shows us that he has come to bring the kingdom and he has the power to turn around, to bring us out of these destructive kingdoms into his kingdom. Now, what does this have to do with Daniel 7? I see the look on some of your faces. You're like, yeah, what are you talking about? Well, in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to in many different ways. You, you remember Peter, when Jesus says, Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, well, you're the son of God, or you're the Christ, the son of God. You are the Christ means you are the anointed king that we've been waiting for. And this is true, and Jesus accepted that title, but that's not the title that Jesus used for himself all the time. What was the title that, what was Jesus' favorite title to call himself? Anybody? Son of man. He called himself the son of man all the time. And where did he get that son of man? I mean, because we see him talking about, you know, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He used this term all the time. Where did it come from? It came from right here in Daniel. Now, why, why would he choose this term that, that, that is about this human one that is somehow crushed, but yet after being crushed and the beast is being destroyed, he's vindicated to a place of, of power and authority and given a kingdom and, and everybody's worshiping. Why would Jesus choose that title? Because that's the title he, he uses to describe himself. Why? Well, there's another courtroom scene in the scriptures that, I, that gives us great clarity. And it's, the, it's not the one Daniel saw, it's, it's Jesus' trial. Remember when Jesus was on trial? He was on trial and, and they were gonna kill him and they were bringing these false charges against him. Let's, let's read about it real quick. Those people who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas the high priest where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. Now the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. And the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you're the Messiah. Tell us if you're the son of God. And Jesus simply says, well, you've said so. But I say to you, from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. What's going on here? Now, remember, everybody there, everybody's there. The high priest, the teachers of the law, elders, Sanhedrin, all the power in, in Israel, the whole religious system, the Supreme Court, it's all there. And they're, they're trying to convict Jesus on charges that they know aren't legit. They like to do, have trials at night, these guys. Right, they're sneaky. But they, but they wanna nail him on the charge of blasphemy. And so they demand, tell us plainly if you're the son of God. And Jesus says, well, that's what you say. And we know he's not denying it because in Mark he says, I am. But, but I think he says it this way because there's so much more that they don't understand about these, you know, son of God. Um, all these things they're, they're ascribing to Jesus. There's so much more going on. So Jesus just simply says to him, he says, uh, you've said so. But from now on, let me tell you who I really am. Let me tell you who I am in a way that you'll understand. From now on, you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the mighty ones and coming on the clouds of heaven. And he doesn't say another word. 
And so he's standing there. He's he, he says this. Now, when we look at this phrase, this isn't super accessible for us, okay? We, we look at it and we're like, huh, what's, what's going on? Why is that such a big deal? I'm not sure exactly what he was getting at. But remember, he's in a, he's in a room full of, full of Bible scholars, okay? These guys know exactly what Jesus is saying. Now, Tim Mackey, um, the guy who's, he, him and his team do the Bible Project. You guys know Tim. He's preached here before. Incredible guy, he's, he's uh, actually giving me all kinds of insight into this passage, but he uses this great illustration when, when talking about what's going on here. He talks about going to a Star Wars convention. And so let's just say for you Star Wars geeks out there, you go into your convention down at the convention center, you got your lightsaber with you, and you walk into this convention and you start going up to people saying, I am your father. <laughs> hey, now, his point is, he doesn't have to explain to you who you, I'm trying to be. Who am I trying to be there? Who? Star Wars nerds all over the place. And I also, I also wouldn't have to tell you who am I assuming that you are. It's Luke, right? We know this. So Jesus comes in and he's standing in the midst of these Bible scholars and he drops this line, this quote from Daniel 7. And they knew exactly what he was referring to. And they wanted him dead. Now, I often think, why did they want to kill him? I mean, he literally came preaching the kingdom of God. He came to restore that which was broken. You know, why is not being consumed with lust such a bad idea? Why is not praying for those who persecute you a, a horrible idea? Why is giving to the poor such a bad idea? Why is raising the dead such a horrifying idea? Man, they, they were intimidated by his power. They loved their kingdom. They loved their alternative kingdom. And they weren't going to let this guy change that. And so they know the charges are bogus. And da Daniel speaks these words, or Jesus speaks these words from Daniel 7. And, he, and he's simply saying this The moment you kill me as the Son of Man, is the moment I will be exalted high to the right hand of the Father in heaven and I will be given glory and honor and power and a kingdom that you or no one else will ever be able to destroy. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. This is what's going, this is what Daniel saw. What Daniel saw was Jesus' coronation. This has nothing to do with his second coming like some have, some have thought. This is Jesus being crucified, killed, murdered. Remember, he laid his life down, but they killed him and crushed and trampled him. Right after this statement, man, they start pulling out his beard and spitting on him. Talk about beasts. But God highly exalted him. And it was then, and that's what Daniel's seeing. He's seeing this coronation. So not only is Jesus the, the son of man, but he's also the son of God. He's a cloud rider, right? He rides on the clouds. And throughout scripture, only God rides on the clouds like this, right? The book of Nahum and the clouds are the dust of his feet. These are the images we see when it comes to cloud riders in the scripture. So Jesus is not only the son of man, he is the son of God and they killed him. He came to his own and his own people killed him. And so the implication, as Jesus says, I am the son of man, I'm this human one. The implication is, and you have become the beast. Jerusalem, the powers there have become beastly. 
And so it seems to G- like to Jesus, Daniel 7, it's not simply about these specific kingdoms that rise. It is about that, but, but it's so much more. It's, it's about a way that, that we as people can, can go, go kind of beastly. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a type of rule and reign that we see on the earth. That, that is actually opposed to God's authority. It's, the t- it's what happens to us when we don't submit our lives to the rule and reign of God and when we choose to define good and evil for ourselves, something horrifying happens within us and collectively within our associations and our governments and our, our, even our churches. And so Jesus, he's facing these, these corrupt and really, they're driven by fear, I think. It's the self-protective, no one's going to take this away. This is ours. They love their kingdom. And he says, you're the beast, and you're about to kill the son of man. They knew exactly what that meant. These guys knew their Bibles. And they, Jesus is saying, look, the tables are going to be turned. I'm actually going to be judging you. And these guys, that was the last thing on their mind. There's no way he's going to be judging us. And he's standing there as the faithful people. Remember, he's the, he's the representative of the people, right? He's the son of man, but he's representing the people. And so he stands there as the faithful people of God before this, these leaders that have gone the way of Babylon. They've gone the way of the beast. And, and now they're just driven by this pure instinct and, and dominating power, which is fine if you're an animal, but it's horrifying if you're a human being because we're, we weren't created to go that way. This is, that's not how, how we're supposed to treat each other. But they've gone the way of the beast. And so Daniel's dream, it, it kind of reveals to us how, how all kingdoms and humans tend to go this way when we don't submit ourselves to the authority of God and when we exalt ourselves and, and our, own, our own desires to divine-like standing. I mean, things go horribly wrong. And, we, and when we reject God's definition of what is good and what is evil, and we exalt our own appetites, Man, it ends horribly for us every single time. And so, Jesus sees all human history as this like string of these powerful beasts and he comes and he, he comes to, to kill, to destroy the beast. And he does so by allowing the beast to take his very life and he plays out what, what Daniel sees. And he's given a kingdom, he is exalted. Jesus Christ is the son of man in Daniel 7. That's him. That, that, that happened. And the moment they defeated him was the moment that he defeated them once for all. It's an amazing picture. And so now Jesus is vindicated as the king of the world. And this is what we celebrated at Easter a few weeks ago, right? I mean, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and, and before Jesus returned to the Father, Right in the clouds. Remember he, he told, what, what he said to his disciples. He said, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He knew where he was going. He knew what was happening. So, so go out and change the world. Go out and baptize and, and make disciples in every nation because it's every tongue and nation that's gonna be worshiping him. So go make disciples in every nation, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. And remember that I will always be with you to the very end of the age. 
And later the apostle Paul describes this in pristine terms. And remember Paul, he was this beastly, ravenous. If you read the pages of Acts about the apostle or Saul before he was Paul, you can almost see the spit coming out of his mouth. He's just, he's dragging these Christians to be destroyed. He's a beast. And then he met Jesus and was radically transformed by him. And he writes some of the highest words in our New Testament. Listen to this. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. A servant, excuse me. Being made in human likeness. He's one of us. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even the death on a cross. And therefore God highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he did this for, for you and for me. He came down and, and, and found us in our broken, messed up kingdoms, and he, and he began calling us out to his beautiful, everlasting kingdom. That's what Jesus is always about. He's, our, he, he's the king, and we who choose to follow him are his holy people. And so not, not only is he powerful, not only is he great, but he's good and he's merciful and he's compassionate to us. And he calls us out of our darkness and, and, and he, he deals with our sin. He forgives our sin. And he shows us how to walk in a new way. He shows us how to be new kinds of humans, the, the kind that he created in the beginning that we were always destined for, humans that are actually humane. And he teaches us about his kingdom, about how loving others is, is the better way to go, and about forgiveness. Is, you'll find life if you don't carry around all this, all this stuff with, on other people. Forgive people, love people, lay your life down for people. Consider others better than yourself. Feed those that are hungry. Don't worry about the clothes that you're going to wear today. Don't get all hung up on that stuff. God will take care of it. Just seek the kingdom. He'll take care of the rest. It's beautiful. And that's what he calls us to. And when we join our lives to him, and we become these, these new kinds of people. And it's ever increasing. It's not overnight. But he begins to shape us and change us. So he gives us his Holy Spirit. And, and, and he creates these new hearts in us. It's amazing. And the beastliness goes away. Now, it doesn't always go away. Some of you freaked out on the way here to church today, right? Someone cuts you off and you're just, the beast starts raging again. Why are you? Um, so the spirit helps us to, to squash that. So what? Dad, he cuts you off. I'm kidding. I didn't ride with that. Uh, you, you know, when you've ridden with your dads, you know how we can be as dads. It's like, wow, take that fish sticker off your car. So my mom always used to say, get that thing off there. Anyway, um, <laughs> but we can become beasts. We can become beasts, but Jesus calls us out of that. So um, let's, let's wrap up. Because this is what Daniel 7 invites us into. It invites us to see that, that, that when, we, when we choose to submit ourselves to the rule and reign of God and we humble ourselves before him, he will exalt us. He will vindicate us. And though there's evil plaguing this world, it isn't going to be forever. There is a time when, when there will be no more tears, when, when, when those evil, ruthless people that are grinding Christians, that are, that are, that are exploiting children, that it'll be done. 
And Daniel calls us to trust that and to don't ever forget that vision. God hasn't abandoned us. No, he's working and his kingdom's breaking out all over. In our, in, as, we, as we bring that kingdom, we're actually, he brings the kingdom, we're entering into it when we love and live like he did. So what's our response? Let's, let's wrap up with these things. And worship and serve the king. Do, I mean, we sang that song, Jesus, I, do, do you love him? This picture in, 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 I gotta show you this song, it's in, in the book of Revelation. The apostle John is, is on this, he too is exiled to this island of Patmos and he, he's getting visions too. And he sees in the middle of this throne, he sees what looks like a lamb and it looks like he's been slain. He sees Jesus, the slain lamb. And, and, and they started singing this incredible song they sing, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you have purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth, but they don't stop there. They say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And I just wanna keep saying forever and ever he reigns. Man, when you see Jesus, when you see what he's done for you, when you see what he's done for us, does it cause you to worship him? Something should stir inside of you when you see the realities of what he's done for you and we should, we should sing songs to him. That's what we're gonna do, that's what we've been doing, but do you worship him? We need to submit ourselves to his rule and his reign. And now look, this is gonna require trust because I know there are times when, when vengeance and manipulation and uh, power seem like a better idea. But will we trust him? In those moments when we're tempted to, to go the way of the beast, will we trust him to lead us into a better way? And he'll do it. He's given us his spirit. He, he, he loves to lead. All of those who are led by the spirit, those are the sons and daughters of God. And some of us need to, need to confess as believers, Lord, we haven't been submitting to you like this. Today's a new day for you. Submit your life to his rule and his reign. He's good. He loves you. And it's not gonna be easy. Remember what he said. He said, look, in me you're gonna have peace. In this world you're gonna have trouble. There's gonna be issues when you submit yourself to the Lord, but, but take heart, I've overcome the world. How do we do this? Well, we do it by setting our eyes, I don't know what happened here. We, we set our eyes on things above, right? We, 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 we never forget that, that God is on his throne and no matter how horrible things seem in our neighborhoods, in this world, we know that, that the, the final word has not, they don't have the final word. Okay, and we don't allow our own um, sin to lead us into despair. Jesus died for your sin. All of it. Every sin you've ever committed forever. He died for that if you belong to him. Don't, don't pick that up and carry that. He, he died for that. Let him have it. Confess those sins to one another, though, and, and, and pray for each other. And, and let's, let's, let's remember to keep our eyes on, on him. And finally, pray for those who suffer under these temporary beastly kingdoms. Look, I read some stuff this week that I can't even tell you about. It's so horrifying. 
things that are happening to Christians around this world, kids. And if you really want to be a kingdom person, pray for the people that are actually doing the persecuting. I was just appalled as I, as I thought about this, how little I pray for the persecuted church. And I just want to ask you to join me this week in changing that. And let's pray for our brothers and sisters that are just struggling to make it. They're hiding out. Who knows what's going on? And then finally, uh, let's boldly proclaim his kingdom. When Jesus came, he brought the kingdom. Okay, the kingdom of God is here. It's not yet fully realized, but it will be one day. But I love, the, the reason I love you guys and love serving here at Grace is I see the kingdom breaking out all over our neighborhood. I see it when we're serving the poor. I see it when we're, when, when we're encouraging those in leadership in our community. I see it when you're, when you're feeding, our, we're feeding the sick. I see it when we're loving each other well. I mean, this is what it means to be part of the kingdom. So man, boldly proclaim that. Tell people about what Jesus has done for you. Tell them about what he is doing for you. Don't wait until you have all the knowledge you need. Just go tell people your story and invite them into his kingdom. Introduce people to Jesus. Somebody introduced me to Jesus years ago, 20 some years ago, and my life has never been the same. He took me out of darkness and set me into his marvelous light. It's amazing. He'll do that for you. He'll do that for those you love who you never thought would have responded. So the worship team, they're here. They're going to, uh, they're going to lead us in this song about the kingdom. And it's about the day that all together with one voice we'll sing together as all injustice will be gone and Jesus will serve and reign as our king. So let's sing about that, bro. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.